0: Before we jump into today's episode, I am so excited and honored to share with you that the podcast name will be changing. I have been sitting with what it's meant to be for a long time now, and it has been revealed to me. I am not going to tell you yet what it is. Know that I will be speaking more to it and recording episodes dedicated to it because it's a concept that is so expansive and I know will be in service of so many of us. But until then, know that you can still find the new episodes in the same podcast feed. I'm just going to be changing the name and the cover so there's no new podcast to subscribe to. It's remaining the same. Just look out for a new cover and the story behind it. There is so much energy and potency behind it and I'm very, very, very excited to tell you more and to explore that brand new realm of play with you. My guest today is Lauren Bongiorno. She is the CEO of Lauren Bongiorno Coaching, and she is challenging the current healthcare system and the world of diabetes management through her company's innovative health coaching programs, educational resources, and her book, The Diabetic Health Journal. She sits on advisory board for one of the largest diabetes tech companies, while her signature A1C shift method and together T1D community make her a leading voice in her industry. Georgetown medical students are currently researching Lauren's methods to publish the quantitative and qualitative results her clients see in her programs. She has been featured in the Today Show and so many other media outlets, and in this podcast interview, we discuss Lauren's T1D story, what led her beyond labs and into coaching, personal development, and yoga, feeling at home in social media and in your business trusting divine timing behind the scenes of Lauren's diabetic health coaching business, holding a vision for who you need to be to accomplish what you have chosen, how to choose a coach, questioning your mind, energy management, Lauren's experience with hiring people and the lessons learned, the importance of making space in your life for what's next before you know what that next thing is. And behind the scenes peek into Lauren's product suite and her core products and funnels and all things architecture of business. Before we dive into the interview, here's a word from our sponsor, a company that I personally love and use all the time and could not recommend enough. This episode is brought to you by one of my absolute go-to marketing tools, Tailwind. Pinterest scheduling with Tailwind helps you grow your business with more traffic so you can spend time doing what you love. You can create your pins right from your Tailwind dashboard. Tailwind Create is a brand new tool from Tailwind that allows you to create beautiful pins faster than ever before. You can generate, personalize, fine-tune, and schedule pins to drive traffic to your content in no time. If you haven't tried Tailwind yet, go to tailwindapp.com. To get $30 off a paid plan. That's T A I L W I N D com slash woke and wired to get $30 off your paid plan. Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. We are here to shift the paradigm of business and marketing and social media in this digital age of infinite possibility and bridge our inner technology, our intuition, with outer technology through rituals, personal development tools, conscious business practices, spiritual tools, and the magical tool of social media. I am your host, Xenia, storyteller, storyteller, conscious social media teacher, speaker, and a multidimensional traveler. Welcome to The New Paradigm. All right, Lauren, bonjour. Welcome to Woken Wired. I love starting by sharing a little bit about how we crossed paths and our story. And I think it was 2017, Mind, Body, Green, Revitalize, And if I remember correctly back then, you hadn't yet niched down to speaking about diabetic health coaching and that whole world. I think you were just talking about yoga and health coaching and I was like this Instagrammer and we might have even gone into the field at some point and taken yoga pictures of each other. You remember any of that?
1: You know, it's so funny. I could not pinpoint where we met and... You're right. That's where we met. We were in Arizona. It was yes. in Arizona, right? Okay. It was in Arizona. And I definitely, now you're triggering my memory. I think we were in a field doing yoga. That sounds like something we both would do. So let's go with that. Right.
0: <laughs> and I think we've actually met through our mutual friend, Ray, who went off through Strala Yoga.
1: Yes. I think she introduced us uh, while we were that's there. That's right. And Ray and I went through IIN together for health coaching and we randomly became like buddy partners that we had to do some exercises with and we just became so close. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's so funny to look back at how many threads there were and to where you know we both are today and, and how different maybe things were for both of us in 2017, but how it was so part of our path and in, and in, in getting where we needed to go. And we still are on that. Yeah. Path.
0: And I love the way that you framed it. You know, sometimes I catch my brain going back in time and, and wishing that I would spend more time thinking about the backend architecture of my business and less time creating and pumping out content. And now from a soul deeper knowing, I understand that everything is divinely timed. I'm given it all one step at a time as I'm ready to receive it and understand it and implement it and share it. And that said, I believe, and one of the reasons I have this podcast is because when we share our stories and those aha moments and those pivots that have impacted our journeys, it awakens something in others that shows that there is more than one way to do things. There are so many possibilities. And I remember about a year ago, you led a presentation a workshop for Amy Jo Martin's Renegade Accelerator Group, which we both are also grads of. And you talked about funnels and the backend architecture of your business. And that was one of those moments in my business where my mind was completely blown and my attention and attention got redirected into things that happen off Instagram, but things that truly generate long term revenue and the solidity of. A business. So this is one of the things I'm super stoked to talk about because I know this is more of a behind the scenes topic for you as well.
1: Yeah. And I love that. And so many times that I'm speaking, I'm speaking on diabetes health in general. So I'm excited to dive into and have the opportunity to talk with you on on those types of things and leadership and and ownership and vision and, and how, of course, spirituality plays in and this is my favorite thing to talk about at it. and I only talk about it like to my journal or to my team members or to my family and, and close friends. So I love that we can talk about this on a you know public platform now.
0: Dear diary. <laughs> <laughs> so w- before we go into you know the mindsets and those pivotal moments in the business, tell us your story, what has led you up to what you're doing now and perhaps what were some of the defining moments of your journey?
1: Yeah. So for everybody listening, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was seven years old. And if you're not familiar with what that is, it's an autoimmune disease. It's separate from type 2 diabetes, which, you know, the majority of everybody in the U.S. has. I think it's like 50% of adults have type 2 diabetes. And that's mostly, you know, from lack of exercise, not having the best diet, genetics. With type 1, you get it. Your pancreas doesn't produce insulin, which is a hormone that is. Really, you know, necessary to live and balances out the sugar in your blood every time you eat, or when you go for a workout, or for when your stress levels go high, when your hormones fluctuate throughout your menstrual cycle as a female, um, it's always fluctuating, and so you can think of it as a seesaw to help regulate that and bring it back to to neutral or homeostasis. And so when I was diagnosed, you know, for my parents, it was this, how do we how do we get her to live this healthy, happy life and everything that she wants to accomplish and keep her healthy. And so for the first about 10 years of my diabetes diagnosis, it was like, let's just go into like fight mode, right? It's like that fight or flight. It's, it's let's just fight against the diabetes. And almost, you know, every time your blood sugar goes too high, it's like, okay, we need to do everything we need to do to bring it down. And like, good, we just got through that one of the day. And then before you knew it, like you would eat something, you would miscalculate the the insulin that you're manually giving yourself and then your blood sugar is low. And so it's this constant up and down and living in this reactive state instead of slowing down to realize like, whoa, there's a lot of pieces missing here. Um, And when I went away to college, I was playing division one soccer in college. And so this was, you know, a huge part of my identity. And I hated the thought of going there and realizing that I was competing with a a really high level at a really high level and not able to maybe, you know, have as much energy or clarity or motivation, maybe as somebody else, if my blood sugars weren't, you know, that controlled. And so that's when I became really obsessed with health and everything from you know nut- optimizing my nutrition to biohacking to how do i get my numbers like so stable to the point of like a person that doesn't have diabetes and i spent a you know a good amount of time a few years in college the majority of college i would say to the point where i didn't really have um a college you know going out kind of experience because my head was in like nutrition books and mind body green and writing articles for them and that's how that all tied in and It was that point where I went to the doctor's office who, you know, as a diabetic, you see twice a year and they're your main source of support and education. And they were celebrating me because on paper I had achieved like the most optimal numbers for somebody who, um, has diabetes and especially a college kid. And in that moment, I had this like shocking realization, like, wait a second, like I've been working so hard these past few years. I'm not eating bread. Like I'm not going out to dinner with my friends or my, or my family. Cause I'm so afraid of not having something that is like not hundred percent like vegan or plant-based or like the purest form. Um, and it's just like this, this lack of control. Um, Like this isn't sustainable. And that's really where my shift into, I guess, coaching and personal development came in because I realized that, wait, the majority of what the medical system is telling us is like lab work on paper, nutrition, exercise, like just optimize your numbers and like you're good to go. And I really realized that it's so much more than that. And I also felt like really alone and isolated throughout that whole entire process because nobody was talking about like the emotional impact of a traumatic event, right? And living with a chronic illness or the the mindset that's required every single day to find balance between taking care of yourself but also living your life. And during that stage, I really fell in love with yoga. And if you look back and scroll back to all my early Instagram posts and kind of how I got into the, you know, quote unquote influencer world or early social media days, it was through yoga and that that understanding of like there's this connection between your mind and body. And you can't just like fight yourself with diets all the time and doing things that really aren't serving your body. And if you're feeling misaligned, like that's your body signaling to you like you're not on the right path in a way. Um, and so I really learned how to listen more to my body. Um, and now kind of you know over the past six, seven years, what i do is my company essentially helps people with type 1 diabetes all around the world take ownership of their body and of their diabetes holistically in the support that they're not getting from our current healthcare system and it plays a big role of the shift that you saw in knowing me from what i used to post on instagram and now what i post today and how i use social media i use it very differently today than I have in the past. And it feels so at home and and just right. And so we're helping people, yes, be more educated on understanding their bodies, but really helping them build sustainable tools and strategies so they don't feel like their life is such a battle. And they're not waiting for a cure, right? Because we're all going to hope that there's going to be a cure one day, but we can't wait until then to live our lives and to feel healthy and happy and be able to take care of ourselves so that we can live out our purpose and be the best for ourselves and for the people around us.
0: What do you think people who don't have direct experience with type 1 diabetes most misunderstand?
1: I'd probably say that a lot of people think that because they can't visibly see really what's going on for the day-to-day that it's not as hard to manage. So for instance, most people think, oh, you just eat and then you give yourself insulin and you're good to go where I can name off, you know, over 50, 60 factors on a daily basis that could influence and fluctuate your blood sugar from like how hot it is outside to allergies, like all these factors. And so it can get very like overwhelming. And we do a very good job most of us as as hiding it because we don't want to be a burden on other people i wouldn't say everybody but that's the majority of what we hear from our clients is like i just have kind of you know struggled with it and thought like this is the way my life had to be and i don't want to ask for extra help or i should know how to deal with this on my own or i don't want to burden the people around me and like interrupt their lives as well so it's it's an invisible disease in a way
0: you know, it's such a gift and I'm full body goosebumps present to the gift that you are giving to the world by courageously choosing to pioneer this industry in a totally new way. And with that, I'm curious, you know, at what point do you remember that moment where you recognized the difference you were able to do for make for yourself and decided to choose that to be something that you offer others? And how did it unfold from there? Because, you know, from there, it could have gone so many different ways from just doing one-on-one coaching to group programs, speaking, and you've chosen all of it and you've successfully outsourced a lot of things so that you are able to make the biggest impact. So let's go on that journey.
1: Yeah, so today, right now, we're at the stage of I have a team and we're growing. We just added three people, you know, this year, and it's a lot of of challenges. Um, but I look at just like you said, you know, kind of where I started, and I realized that there wasn't this like one moment. It's just the compounding moments of realizing, like, oh, we're helping so many people. Like, how can we continue? You know, there's there's one point three million people. With type 1 diabetes just in the US. And it's like, we've served, yes, thousands, but like, we want to help the millions. And the only way to do that is to really disrupt the current system that we have. Right. And, you know, I got to a point, I think a big turning point for me was this realization that. Instagram doesn't need more influencers sharing polished, polished misrepresentation of real life, right? Like we need disruptive leaders working to empower communities to take ownership of our failed systems. And in this case, it's our our failed healthcare system. And when I started off on Instagram, I always felt like I was on the right track because I was posting things and sharing things that I loved, which were was which was health and yoga and fitness and all of that. But I was leaving out the diabetes part because I thought, hey, this is just something that like, I don't want the world to see because what if they don't like me, if, I have, if, they, if they see me wearing my insulin pump? Or what are they going to think of me if, as, a, as a health coach, right? If I'm quote unquote broken, right? And so that had a lot to do with how I viewed myself. And the second that I realized that like I'm doing a disservice to the whole entire diabetes community when I've spent so many years figuring out for myself how everything connects holistically in my body and nobody's really talking about this. That was when I realized that I had this duty that I wanted to fulfill and I wanted to move into this more leadership role where I was essentially mobilizing the community towards something so much bigger than just me. It's all of us. It's my clients. It's the community. It's my team who were recognizing that there's a gap and that we can do something about it to take ownership and we don't have to depend on the healthcare system to change. Like we could change it for ourselves. So that was a big shift for me and how I related to my role on social media. And naturally, everything else kind of just followed.
0: And naturally, it followed sounds definitely oversimplified because only you <laughs> know and understand how much work has gone into setting up those systems so that those the business can run without you. I hear what you're saying. It does have a totally different feeling to it when you are in that flow of your own unique path and mission. It doesn't feel forceful. It feels almost effortless. Yes, it still gets hard, but there is this sense of just always being supported and always things show up exactly when you need them, even when it's not when you want them to show up. But part of it, you know, I think is this just trusting your unique path. What is your experience with that?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And there have been so many challenges and, you know, a, a part of my journey too has been really getting to know myself and how I operate. And through astrology, I've realized I have a lot of water in my chart, so I'm very emotional. And so it's also been detaching myself from the daily outcomes or quarterly outcomes or yearly outcomes and and seeing it as exactly like you said, like trusting everything that it's unfolding how it should. And at the end of the day, for me, it's really about holding the vision, right? Holding the vision of who I need to be every day for the community and for my team and for myself. It's holding the vision of what I want the healthcare system to look like and how people with diabetes from the second that they're diagnosed what should their support look like and what should their journey look like and how can we help change the trajectory of where they're going right it's 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 holding the vision every single day and knowing that obstacles will show up but with that also a ton of opportunities are going to show up and if you're stuck on the obstacles you're not going to have a chance to see the the opportunities that are in this you know side mirror What has
0: your experience been with um, credentials? You know, right now, you've achieved so many things, including Georgetown Medical Students researching your methods, which is absolutely incredible. And I see you for that and congratulate you on that. And I'm curious, on your path, has this been something that comes up that has influenced how you're able to hold your vision?
1: Yeah. So the coaching industry has definitely evolved since I started in 2015. um, And it's definitely more recognized now than it was back then. And to be honest, when I first started, you used the word pioneered earlier. And I don't believe I was the first one to start coaching in the diabetes space, but I was definitely one of the you know, four or five handfuls um, in the country doing it, or at least that had a presence on social media and was kind of going into that area. And with that, you're going to come up against people who are questioning that. And I even remember like sitting at lunch with my grandparents one day, and I was in the middle of health coaching school, and I still didn't really understand at that point, like what my path was, and that I was going to end up you know, having a company that helps people with type one diabetes, but they were like, are you sure you don't want to become a nutritionist? Like, are you sure you don't want to like become a dietitian or become a therapist? Like what is like coaching? Like, I don't know. Like, it doesn't sound stable. And I was so, my natural personality is I'm a challenger. So, uh, I am just like that even fueled me because I believe in coaching so much. And I, I've always had coaches around me and, Coaching, what it essentially does is it allows you to look forward and understand what blocks have been getting in the way of getting you to where you want to be. And so, and helping somebody, you know, fill that gap and and helping them hold the vision for themselves and you getting obsessed with like, well, what have their roadblocks been? What have the roadblocks been? And, you know, what do we need to shift within them or what can they shift within themselves in order to get their desired outcomes? And that right there, like it just energizes me in, in itself because I, I've always stood behind the coaching industry. And I look at it kind of like acupuncture in a way where, you know, 20 years ago, it was like, whoa, like what's this thing where I put needles in people and now insurance, insurance is covered and it's a very, you know, well-known practice. Um, and so I'm a nationally board certified health coach. So after I went through IIN a few years later, I sat for my boards and now we're actually working towards having NPI codes, which allow you know insurances to be more integrated with our practice and our clients which is going to be amazing. So I've definitely come up against some people who haven't under, you know, early on haven't really understood the place of coaching, but at the end of the day like we've have hundreds of clients come through our programs, it's like the results speak for itself.
0: Absolutely. I'm so with you, you know. The reason I'm asking this is one of the stories that comes to mind that has been very inspiring in this realm, is Rick Doblin, the founder of MAPS, Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. When he started being a therapist, I believe he started by holding therapy sessions for couples with MDMA, and he could have chosen to be an underground therapist, and that would have been enough because the change that was being created from it was incredibly impactful. But he knew that to truly make a difference and make this down the line legal, which by the way, it is becoming to be legal as of this year, um, he needed to become part of the system. So he chose the long journey and it took over, I think, 30 years of being within the system and learning those ways to create a systematic change on starting in the US, but really on a global level. And that story just blew my mind how Humbling and courageous it can be to acknowledge the systems and be able to work with them. And what you're mentioning about those NPI codes and being able to offer your services as part of people's insurance, that's just such a huge, huge, huge accomplishment.
1: Yeah. And I think anybody who's challenging an existing structure or system is going to have people who question it and want to see the bad in it and I really do believe that those people that I have come up against are not just challenging me they're they're challenging anything that's against their views of what the world should be or what the world is and you kind of have to just forge on forward especially if you believe in that vision that you have so much
0: Absolutely so you mentioned your programs what when you started offering coaching what did it look like then and what journey has it taken and what does it look like today?
1: Yeah. So I started as, you know, with just one-on-one coaching programs and they are so powerful, right. To be able to sit with somebody for three to six months on a regular basis and, and help them get to where they want to be with their blood sugars and with their confidence and their identifying their patterns of their body. And I was never exposed to community as a, as a child in the sense in around in around diabetes, so I never went to special like diabetes camps. Like for my parents say, like I they asked me, and I just never wanted to go. And so when I kept toying around the idea of group coaching programs, I was just like, oh, people like they're going to want to want they want one on one support. Like they're not going to want group and to be with a bunch of other people. But then it was at a point where like I was burning out and I couldn't take more one on one coaching clients and one of my biggest values in life is, is impact. And so the thought of turning somebody away and having them wait, you know, three months to work with me, like broke my heart. So I just kept piling on clients. I think I had like 30 or so clients, like at one time and I kept up with all of them and it was great, but like, I wasn't sleeping, which wasn't good for my health. And then I, I toyed around with, you know, group coaching. We eventually started that program. And it's our most popular program uh, to date. It's the Decide and Conquer Bootcamp, and it's a group coaching program for female T1Ds by female T1Ds. So we have four type one diabetic client, uh, coaches that coach, and inside the program there can be anywhere from thirty to forty five people, um, women, and it is so transformational for them because so many of them have you know never had the space. To talk about their struggles and relate to other women, and there's, you know, we're we're not talking about people who are not, you know, educated on, you know, diabetes or themselves. Like there are doctors that come through our programs that have type one. There are nurses. There are engineers, lawyers, stay-at-home moms who they are juggling so much, and they they need support on on taking care of their diabetes. Um, And so our group coaching program runs three times a year, and it's been really great to have. Um, expanded our coaching team and resources for those those clients. And I mean, the outcomes that these women see are just insane. And it's really a testament to what community does and the role it plays in motivation towards getting towards your goals. Um, And then beyond that, um, we're starting to build out coaching uh, programs and resources for families and parents of T1D kids under 18, and they're a huge part of the community as well. So a lot of people are diagnosed with type 1 as children, some later on in life for sure, but I would say the majority as, as kids. And my parents would have loved to not just figure out everything on their own or take 10 years to realize, oh, hey, like the endocrinologist maybe isn't telling me everything that I need to know and I need to learn things on my own for my child. Um, and then we have some online courses and right now we're building out something that's launching later this year in 2021 in October that, um, we're really excited for. We're having a big rebrand and we've been working on it for a while now. And this is going to be like a really great resource for people kind of coming to our brand and being like, I don't know if I need coaching yet, but like I need to start here and there's so much to learn. Where do I start? And so we're really excited to be able to launch that, but we're always innovating, always really understanding our community and our audience. And something that I didn't necessarily take time to do early on because I just dove into one-on-one coaching and it didn't take a step back to really say like, how am I relating to the community? It's more than just my personal journey and assuming everybody had the same journey as me, but understanding there's different archetypes of people who come through our programs and making sure that we're supporting all of them.
0: That is so inspiring. Lauren, there's two different directions that I would love to go and I'm going to let you choose where you want to go first. The first one is what are some of the um, trainings, mentors, mindsets, programs, anything along your way that has you know, created this support for you both to have the mindset to continue showing up and trusting your vision, and two offered. I guess I'm wrapping up the question into one, so we're making it easy here. You know, what what were some of the things that educated you or, or offered support on specific structure? You know, from building funnels to building out effective programs and just setting up a business in a way where you can manage it effectively.
1: Mm, I love that. There's so much to dive <laughs> in there. So I would say out of like, like I alluded to earlier, I, I always, I'm a big believer in coaching. Uh, so I always have coaches around myself and personal and also for business. And the biggest lesson I've learned about mentors and coaches are for me specifically is I have to find people who truly believe in the impact that I'm making, and that my company we're making together, and believe in the mission and the vision of the company. So our vision is big; it's to be the largest disruptor in the diabetes healthcare space. Um, and in the majority, for the majority of coaches that I have had, they have been so aligned with that, and and really looking at the bigger picture. And then there has been a few coaches along the way who the impact of our relationship wasn't as great as it could have been because it was more of a transactional relationship. And I did learn things from them like operations in a business and you know, team members and what gaps needed to be filled, but it wasn't the thing that moved the needle forward so tremendously um, for, for me and myself. And I'd say that for the majority of my journey over the last, you know, throughout my 20s, I'm turning 28 in a couple of months. And so, from let's say age, you know, 23 to 26, it was a lot of looking outwards and getting like, ne- what's my next step? What's my next step? It's a lot of like figuring out and help and having those mentors and coaches help me figure things out. And now I'm at a stage where my mentors don't play that as great of a role in the day-to-day or like step-by-step, but they are really supporting me in helping me tap into my inner resources and making decisions for myself um, and, and trusting myself to make those decisions, right? Now it's not only making decisions for, you know, how am I going to help support my clients, but I'm managing a team of eight people and then more contractors that come in and out along the way. And so for them, it's it's how am I helping them elevate um, how am I helping them support them and doing the best job that they can do? Um, and so there's a lot of of of, of that. Um, and that's been super valuable because there's nothing more impactful to me than being able to trust yourself and your instinct and your gut.
0: So powerful. And I remember when years ago on Breakfast Criminals Instagram, which is now at home with Xenia, I used to do weekly takeovers where people from all over the globe would take over the account and share their morning routine. And I remember when you took over, what has really stayed with me was some of your mindset practices. You know, I think one of them might've been standing in front of the mirror and like pumping yourself up for the day. And I think you had referenced uh, Tony Robbins at some point. Will you speak to what are some of the practices that still feel alive for you now? And what are some of those rituals that allow you to show up as your best self every day?
1: I remember being on that podcast, and I, I mean, um, on your Instagram takeover, and I thought you were going to say your biggest takeaway from that was the truffle salt <laughs> that I put on my eggs every day because I remember you messaging me being like, oh my gosh, me and Eric got the truffle salt I and did, it was so I good. I did. I do
0: still do that. <laughs> I just didn't remember where it came from, but I still have that truffle salt in my cabinet right now.
1: Oh my gosh. So funny. But yeah. I, I think part of a big part of my ritual and and things that have stuck from me uh, stuck with me from those early stages of getting into personal development, which for me started with Tony, where you know a lot of people do start their journey. But it's been around your limiting beliefs and understanding like the stories that you're telling yourself and questioning them. Um, one, and that's something that I'm, you know, do on a regular basis is I'm journaling or meditating in the morning and seeing what comes up and, and questioning my mind rather than just being inside of it. Um, and then two, really, really big on energy management. And so every morning I kind of take 15 minutes to go over my calendar for the day and for the next day, and I'm making sure that it's aligned with my energy. I have a type of energy where I, I need space to rest. I can't do too much in one day of like big tasks. And so really making sure that I have enough space in between to like re-energize myself that I'm not having a, you know, finance meeting with my CFO right before jumping on to, let's say this, doing this podcast, right? Like I blocked out an hour before this to go just walk outside in nature, to get myself grounded. And that allows me to stay, like to to be my best self. And I know if anybody's listening who is, for instance, like a mom or doesn't have that flexibility, I I don't have that in my life yet. And I think that is going to be different if Chris and I are blessed with kids one day. Um, But for right now, that is where, you know, I understand where my energy needs to be and the things being in the things more so that expand me versus drain me. And so it's yeah, it's just about knowing yourself. I think at the end of the day, and yeah, I would say that.
0: What was your? I want to get more into cabin life and nature a little bit later, but for now, um, more business conversation. What was your first hire, and what difference did it make? And and how did you choose what your first hire is? Because I know you so beautifully speak about the different roles that. Even a CEO can play in the business, and how important it is to intentionally choose that. So, what is your role, and how have you been outsourcing and hiring things out from there?
1: Yeah, so I, this, you're good. I'm a good person to ask because I've I've made mistakes along the way, but now I'm so clear on how my team is going to continue to be built in the future. This plays in a little bit to human design, not to go like too in that direction, but I'm a projector. And so a lot of things naturally, I realize when I try to force things and I go put things on like LinkedIn, for example, like that just doesn't work for me. And so really just getting clear and talking about it and having conversations with like my my mentors or my current team and and having those conversations of like this is the person I want to call in. Um I would say like I'm a pretty powerful I guess manifester. and if I can get really clear on something like it generally will unfold in in some way or another. And so my first hire was me frantically like just being like, I'm doing everything right. I'm wearing a thousand different hats. This isn't sustainable. This was like one-on-one coaching days, um, and my a friend from like my childhood. Her name's Amanda. Hi, Amanda, if you're listening. But Amanda, who I knew for for years growing up, where she was a person that we would always come like in and out of my life a little bit. We played soccer as children, and she reached out to me after you know following me on Instagram. Uh, I think it was 2000 and, 2019 and she was like Lauren like I need some of your good vibes like I'm so miserable at my job like can we go get you know dinner and so we went and got dinner and I was like you know let's take out I'm a very like you know execution kind of person I'm like all right we're going to take out a list what are the things you enjoy where are your, what are your passions what do you feel are things that light you up what are the things that don't light you up and what she realized was like everything that lit her up was something she wasn't doing in her job she, her background's in corporate fashion and project management and so all the things that she did love was health and helping people and cooking and nutrition and and all of that and exciting and like room for growth like a growth is a big value for her and i was like okay well you got to quit your job and so i gave her a deadline i was like you're quitting your job you know in a couple i, th- I think it was like may 31st i want to say and that's it. And you don't have to know what your next steps are, but you have to clear out space in your life in order to call in what you need. And it's very scary, obviously, for somebody to leave their job and not have a next step of a plan. But she ended up doing that. And she had so much space in her life. She started taking some online courses through actually Mind Body Green. I think it was a functional medicine course. She went to health coaching school online for six months, um, and we would meet in the city twice, two three times a week, and kind of co work together. And I quickly picked up that she was you know great at Google Excel and all these things that you know areas that I wasn't great at. She complimented. So I would always be like, oh hey Amanda, like can you pause your video? Like can you help me with this thing? Can you help me with this thing? And I think after like a month of doing that, she kind of was just like, hey, like I don't know if like. You, how you feel about this, but like, can I actually intern for you? And I was like, absolutely. Like let's, let's see how this goes. Kind of like had no idea that this, I thought it would be a stepping stone for her. And so it's a couple of years later and she hasn't left and she's our operations and project manager and she is just like epic. And um, everybody who followed after that came kind of through the same way where they reach out to me and we're like, Hey, like, do you, do you, like, I believe in your vision and like, I love what you're doing. I just, I, I want to get inside your business and understand and like, how can I help? And it starts off as more less than like a transactional relationship and more of that, like bigger picture, like, where can I fit in here? So Amanda was my, my first hire and she was, As some people would say, kind of an integrator, where she was doing a lot of different things. But interestingly enough, it got to the point where she became me juggling a thousand things and getting drained and crying because she's like, I can't handle all this. And that was a learning lesson for me of how you have to really look at your team and help them manage their energy as well and where their expanders are, right? Like she was doing things that were draining her. And even though, let's say, somebody else on the team who we eventually brought on, like it actually energizes them. It doesn't drain them. Like that doesn't mean it's the case for Amanda. And so she went from juggling a bunch of things to now she strictly focuses on, you know, X, Y, Z. And then after her, it was hiring who is now our director of coaching, Jess. So she does coaching and enrollment for us. Then we have a content manager who is actually a past client. We have two coaches who they were actually both past clients. We have an administrative assistant, a CFO and I'm trying to think. Oh, and a copywriter and editor. So, um, a bunch of different roles that, that help us, but it's, it's an orchestra, it's a machine, and it's really about we're in the building stage still. Like, even though you have all these people, it's like more people, like if you want to grow, like you're going to have more challenges and more problems. And it's just about knowing how to navigate them.
0: Are you the one managing everyone, or what is the structure there? And how, how do you stay in touch with the team? And how does the whole team stay in touch with each other as you move forward in commitment to the vision?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I I wouldn't say manage, but I touch base mostly and oversee the work of our managers and directors. And then from there, they manage people in their respective departments. We have morning huddles three times a week for 15 minutes, like before the day gets started, where we're just like, you know, going down the list and checking open loops where everything is on track for um, this project or this piece of content or, you know, this, whatever it is. And those are on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. We have a big team meeting, the whole team on Mondays. And then we have like certain meetings that, you know, part of the team members will come come to. So for instance, on Fridays, we have a content meeting. Where we're looking at, you know, what is the community asking us for, and what am I constantly getting in my direct messages? Right, like, how can we create content that that helps them and that is purposeful and gives value? And how is it showing up? What's the medium? Is it newsletter? Is it blog post? Is it a Instagram live? Is it a potential course that we can make that we can really build out and spend a lot of time on and put in a methodology behind of how we do something? And yeah, I would say that's the majority of like the core meetings that come up and, oh, and Thursdays we have a co-creation meeting and that's really fun for all of us really, because the majority of our team has type one diabetes. And so- the co-creation meeting is is an opportunity where we can see what we're, you know, what new product or course or training that we're doing and everybody kind of builds it out together. And so that means that even like our administrative assistant, she doesn't necessarily like isn't part of the content team, but she can contribute and she could be part of creating this, which is really cool.
0: Speaking of content, you're so good with reels. Can we talk about that for a moment?
1: Really? I am so, no pun intended, but I am so flattered by that. I feel like I had the hardest time with TikTok and Reels came so much more naturally to me and I still cannot figure out where that gap was. That's
0: so interesting. (laughs) Yeah, because you seem, you're so natural and the way that you're able to deliver very, you know, transformational, educational and entertainment all in one in such a short and powerful way. It's incredible. You're such a natural.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Well, it's so funny because if you look back to my early content days of just photos, there are so many photos that I can pick out and I can point to you and I I can say, I was emulating that person in that photo that they took, or that one in my head, I did my hair like you know, that person. And it was this constant, like, I didn't feel like myself. And now I just show up on Instagram. And even my sister said this to me a couple months ago. She's like, I feel like you're this, like you're fine, like you're really your Instagram really matches your real life personality, like even more so than it did a year ago. Like you're really just showing your full self. And if you know me, like I am very like, I'm very outgoing. I'm very like silly. I am kind of a little bit quirky. Like I love a good karaoke bar. Like that is me. And I feel like that side can come out a little bit more on reels. Whereas in a photo, I tend to go in writing like a little bit like deeper and more emotional and it doesn't always have to be that heavy. I guess is what I'm what I'm learning and 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 really balancing out my content like of who I to represent who I am in real life, which is a balance of deep and emotional and like I want to have a deep conversation and not surface with you, but I also want to be playful and make diabetes something that it doesn't have to be this sad thing, right? It can it can be something that we can talk about that's in a more playful way.
0: A hundred percent, yeah. To make a difference, you don't have to be serious. Sometimes that playfulness is what warms people's hearts and opens them to the possibility of something they didn't think was possible. So thank you for embodying that. And it's so inspiring how you talk about, you know, once you stop copying everyone else and you just allow whatever is meant to come through you to come through on social media, it just, it has such a different vibration to it. And it's very palpable.
1: Yeah, and that vibration is is so important to recognize too, because I think video, that's the medium that you can feel that yes. more than just a still photo. Yes,
0: absolutely. 100%. Okay. So there's uh, the place that I'm super stoked to talk to you about. And to me, it feels very playful, probably to most people, it feels very serious but it's funnels. And this question of how do people find you? Is it those reels? Is it search engine optimization? Is it freebies on your website? Is it a combination of all of them? What have been your learnings from that? And also, you know, a little bit of a glimpse of what, what are the offerings you've mentioned? The group program, um, is that the one that takes up most of the business or are there other ones under the umbrella?
1: Yeah. So when you look at product Product suite. You want to either think of your, you know, uh, your products as eventually getting to a place where it's a core product and it's a core driver for the company, or like you're killing it, right? And you're and you're getting rid of it in its evolution. Um, and so our DCB currently like is a core product, and everything else are that are currently there are either star products or things that we're going to be getting getting rid of, and the idea is to ch- to channel those star products and really look about how can we turn this into more of a core product. And the biggest thing that I've learned, and I think you asked me this earlier, and I forgot to answer about what's like the greatest thing that I've learned through the process of all this. And it's that people always, they don't always know what they want and they don't always know that they're struggling. It's kind of like you have to show them a little bit of what like could be and what, um, and where they are at now and really speak to their like really subconscious beliefs or not even subconscious but like their mind when they're super quiet like laying in bed at night because throughout the day it's like work and we're busy and this and that and it's easy to be like I'm fine like this is this is life it just is what it is where really talking to them like to their heart space and being like you know just their their pain points and really getting into that and understanding the person is really important and then being able to create solutions to those problems to make their life better and create that impact. So at the core of like how people I think come into our ecosystem mostly through social media and I think that the first thing that is getting them attached to let's say me or the brand is like looking at me and saying, wow, like she's on Instagram wearing her insulin pump and is not like ashamed of that. Or she is going to exercise or going on a random run or a Peloton ride or to yoga and switching up her exercise. And she's having stable blood sugar numbers. Like I want that for myself. And it kind of shows them the gap a little bit of maybe where they are and what's possible for them. Um, And so a lot of our free resources are things to kind of just get them Get them going on their own of recognizing, like putting down to paper, like what their goals are and like the gap between where they are and where they want to be. And then of course, like little tips and little tricks that they can see success with on their own. So for instance, something we do in the community um, is what I call sugar squats. And it's just this fun name that I, I don't even know who came up. I don't think it was me. I think somebody in the community named it sugar squats, but I was showing myself on an airplane doing squats in the bathroom because it lowers your blood sugar. And when you're sitting for long hours on a plane, your blood sugar rises. Um, And so that's something that is, anybody can do is it's a body weight squad. It's just going up and down, obviously 50 times to activate like your biggest muscle groups, but it empowers them to realize like in that moment, like, wow, there's something I can do today that like I have control over. So it's really energizing them in those early stages, getting them to see like, I have control over my outcome. So I would start, I would start there, like how they get in and what those early stages, how we're talking to them are.
0: So powerful. You know, it's one thing to have a big vision, to want to change the healthcare system and make this difference, but your understanding of how to best serve people and get them actually interested and touch on those subconscious beliefs and show them what's possible and how to package it on social media through copy, that is brilliant right there. And that's why your vision is so much closer than it might seem.
1: Yeah. And you have to make them feel successful, right? Because if you can show them, hey, this little thing works, they're going to want to come back and say, what, what else is possible for me? And that's, you know, people who come through coaching don't just show up and say like, hey, I want to join coaching. These are people who have followed me for like two, three years who have just been watching <laughs> in the shadows of like, you know, trying little things or maybe getting, you know, our diabetic health journal and feeling success along the way in little spurts when they eventually get to the point in their life and their journey where they're like, okay, I'm like, enough is enough. I'm tired of struggling on my own. Like I'm ready for this bigger transformation and to dive deep. And it's that trust, right? You're building trust with your audience and that's what content is, right? It's, it's building trust with your community over time. And paying attention to them and letting them know that like you value them and you're here for them.
0: You mentioned a diabetic health journal. I'm realizing we didn't even get into that. So if there's anything you want to say about that, we can cover it. And I also want to make sure before we wrap up, we get into your newly found nature life.
1: Ah, nature life, yes. Well, the diabetic health journal, I think it connects actually, because so I grew up on Long Island in New York, which is suburbs and when i went away to college to north carolina i loved like nature i loved like more simple life there and when i came back to new york afterwards i was like i don't want to i definitely don't want to live on long island i want to like explore the world but also my now fiance like is working in new york city so i will just you know travel in spurts like let's ground down in new york city And I loved initially the energy of the city. It's like you wake up and there's just people hustling and bustling and doing just aspiring to there, to be whatever they want to be. And it's just amazing to me. Um, And I thought that that would energize me, but however, it actually brought me out of balance. Um, And I my cortisol levels were extremely high living in the city. And what I found was every time I was trying to create something, whether it was a new program or just brainstorming or visualizing on like, what is the future of my team going to look like? And how can we create an impact? Because I just, I can't do this by myself or how I want to create this journal, which today is the diabetic health journal, which it's, you know, thousands of people around the world have it. I was always finding myself escaping, like planning these mini retreats to Joshua Tree, which is where I wrote the, oh no, I didn't write the diabetic health journal in in Joshua Tree. I created the A1C shift method course there. I went upstate to Woodstock to create the diabetic health journal, or I would go to you know, Joshua Tree or go to Utah or Colorado. And I always felt myself escaping. And it was like, I got to the point where I was like, why am I like only escaping to these places and like I'm getting the most creativity done and expansion done and vision there. Why what would happen if I just had nature all around me and like more serene energy all the time? And so when COVID hit last year in 2020, Chris and I our wedding plans kind of got stalled a little bit. We got engaged October of 2019 and we shifted to like let's let's start building our life and get a house instead. And so we had very clear intentions of what we wanted, which was like a lot of just property and space and like not houses on top of each other. Um, And we sacrificed like a new build, you know, house for like an older house that we could redo over time, but on, um, you know, over an acre of of property. And so that was something where we, you know, the house came to us in the matter of, you know, went on the market an hour later, Chris's mom at 6 a.m. sent it to us. We looked at it in photos. We're like, "Yep, that's the house." After looking at you know months of houses, we put an offer in on the phone because we were in the city. And two days later, we had it. Um, and so we moved in earlier this year. And it is just like a totally different energy. And you're you're just there's so much less clutter energetically. Where I'm so much more grounded, so much more connected to myself. It's just. My stress levels are lower. There's birds chirping in the morning instead of trains and subways that you hear or taxi horns. Um, and for me and my body, like this is where I'm at peace.
0: I'm so with you. It is so serene. I remember when we decided to move to a cabin outside of New York City, I just knew that it was important for me to create space. I didn't know exactly for what, but it was important to just be in that place where I can actually hear myself and you know the guidance that is available for me and it's been miraculous being part of nature is it's such a gift and yeah I'm so stoked to see your morning rituals now happening in the forest and you know your house is gorgeous and you know something that I want to leave the listeners with and this conversation with is um, you mentioned that it's important just like how I pointed when we moved to the tiny cabin to create space for whatever is meant to come in next before we even know what exactly it is. So what is something that you are creating space for and calling in now?
1: That's such a loaded question. I would say, oh gosh, I can't believe I'm gonna say this out loud, but I I really, really, really want kids in the next like two, three years. And Right now, the way that I operate my life, it, it it wouldn't be feasible to bring children into this into this world with the amount that I work. Um, even though I'm so much more balanced than I was years ago, and so I think that as crazy as it sounds, and to say this out loud, a, a lot of what I'm creating space for in the next, I would say, two two and a half years is is setting my day up and setting my life up in really how I want to live over the next decade. Like I have freedom in my day, right? I can wake up. I don't have to be somewhere in an office at 9am, but I'm accountable to a lot of my team and to now travel's picking up and it's my life of how I want it to be today. But what does that look like? Um, When there is, you know, you're you're building a family because the amount of time that it takes to build a business, I can only imagine what that is to build build a family. So, um, I really, really feel closer now than than ever to relating to moms who have or parents who have careers and don't want to give it up to just be not just be a mom, but to um, you know give up their business and something that they love and they want to be able to be a mom as well and do it just as, as well. If they had, you know, that was the sole, just focus of their entire day. So, um, I really admire those people. I'll look up to them, um, for this next, you know, couple of years and, and what that's going to look like, but it's going to be a challenge, but I'm looking forward that is to it.
0: So beautiful Lauren. Your vision is safe with us and may it be so in divine timing. And before we officially wrap, is there anything that I did not ask you about that you feel called to share?
1: No, I think we hit so many beautiful things. And I just want to say for anybody listening, who doesn't feel like they have found their purpose, just follow the things that bring you joy and trust really that it's unfolding exactly how it needs to and that you're always being guided. Um, and if there's anything that I can help you with in the space of diabetes, feel free to send me a message on Instagram, um, or even in business development or anything I can do to add value to your life. Don't hesitate to reach out and thank you for listening.
0: Lauren, thank you so much. Have a beautiful weekend in nature and I'll see you on reels.
1: Thank you so much.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. And if you are curious to learn more about human design and how it applies to social media and how it can be a powerful tool to assist you in finding out what is true for you when it comes to showing up online in a way that energizes you, check out our human design and conscious social media workshop on ConsciousSocialMediaMethod.com. I taught it with Nikki Braffman, who is a human design expert and my guest on episode 114. And it's definitely one of the most powerful episodes, conversations out there to practically help you identify your own energetic waves and values of how you show up online.